This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you want to leave a financial legacy, this show is for you. Today, to talk about how the ultra-wealthy make the most of their fortunes and the lessons the rest of us can glean from their methods, we welcome the author of Finding Her Voice, Amy Hart Klein. In our headlines, tech investors have taken it on the chin the last several months. Is it time to buy more, sell a little bit, or get the heck out? We have opinions. Later, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline with a story from Kyle, who reminds us of an important lesson we all know already, but might not practice. And then, in epic fashion, I'll share my legendary trivia. And now, two guys whose legacy will be helping you build yours, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! Oh, I love that legacy. Isn't that a great legacy helping spread financial literacy? Maybe that can be your legacy too after you hang out with us for a little bit. Hey, everybody, I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter and across the virtual card table from me because I am getting ready to party in Virginia Beach. It's Mr. OG. I don't even know what to say. I wish I was in Virginia Beach, maybe. I think I, think I do. I, I, I was gone all last week. I'd originally planned to come in to this little uh, soiree, but uh, but I was gone for an entire week, so it's tough. I, couldn't, I couldn't take two weeks off. It is. It Some is. of us have to do real work around here. <laughs> it's crazy talk. Crazy. It's better gallivanting around the country. By the way, we will be at uh, Norfolk Public Library, the Slover uh, Library downtown. Our friend Josette works there, OG, and she is uh, having a great event tonight. It's a beautiful library in, in downtown Norfolk, so... Come join us at uh, at 6.30, stackingbenjamins.com slash stack. But we're not here for that. You know what we're here for? Amy Hart Klein, financial planner, talking about all of these families where women are helping build the family legacy. 
and uh, a trend more and more lately. So she's going to tell some great stories of uh, women helping families build wealth. But you and I, we're going to talk a little bit about this crazy market. You forwarded a piece to me from the Wall Street Journal about this crazy market, and I found another one. So we're going to dig into that. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals and collaborate with your partner. And now because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30 day free trial. When you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad free privacy. You can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. All right, Amy Hart Klein joining us in a little bit. So we got a headline we got to get to. Let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our headline today comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. And this is, this is a piece written by Laura Foreman. Laura writes, tech investors shouldn't fall for the plot twist. Virtually every tech company will tell you it is changing. Don't believe it till you see it. You know, OG, what this piece is about is that we've seen so much volatility in the tech sector, people losing so much money. As an example, Facebook changed its name to Meta, supposedly changed its entire uh, reason for being, right? Decided that they have a new thing that they're after and uh, shares down 50% from the top end as we record this. But that's not it. Twitter has announced changes. Uh, You see all of these tech companies as their share price drops further and further and further, trying to tell you that, hey, we're going to change the game now. Laura's, Laura's not believing it. You believe in it, OG? Or is this all about falling tech prices? And maybe if we do a little bit better dance, things are going to get better in the tech sector. 
Well, I think this is a, just a perfect example of why it makes the most sense to be diversified and own a little bit of everything rather than trying to figure out which tech company or which which thing is going to do better than the other thing. I saw something the other day that said the spread between energy prices or the returns of energy stocks, I should say, and the returns of the rest of the S&P was such a wide disparity, the the biggest disparity ever recorded, mm. where energy was up 40, the rest of the market was down 12. You know, it's a 52% difference between those kind of two two numbers. And it was the widest disparity. And I thought, huh, interesting. That's a fact that's fun to know, but but it doesn't really change from an investing standpoint. But wait a minute, but you know, but you know that it does change it because what happens is that the average person who does not hang out with us here in the basement, the average person sees the energies what's hot and you know they're investing money in it right now. The uninitiated are investing in energy right now. They see the price at the gas pump. They think, hey, this must be an opportunity. Kind of based on what you said, looks like a trap to me. Yeah, and the the opposite of what's going on with tech, right? So you have tech stocks that were basically gangbusters for eight years and now down, you know, a considerable amount, what, 20 some odd percent, I think the NASDAQ is, and everybody's freaking out about it. I mean, how, how could that not be the outcome? When, when something outperforms by so much for such a period of time, you have to start thinking about, well, this can't go on this way forever. But I will tell you, I distinctly remember somebody telling me, well, no, I think it will. <laughs> It's that like, it will go on forever. Yeah, yeah, like this is just the new thing. And as soon as that person said, this is the new thing, I'd like these, I glitched out. I had this like flashback to 99 of, there's not going to be any more stores. It's all going to be on the internet. And I was like, oh boy, I've I've seen this show before. But um, it is so funny, by the way, we, you and I did a show. I don't even know how long ago it was. I think it was in December about somebody on Twitter. I will still leave this person nameless, but I remember ranting at the time because i was so frustrated they were like buy these stocks for the long term because these are the stocks that always go up and we were talking remember one was microsoft and you and i talked about how microsoft for damn near a decade did absolutely nothing and only really if you're a youngish investor do you think of microsoft as a hot stock i'm old enough to think of microsoft went through the valley of death forever before finally investors got paid and he also said NVIDIA, right, was another one, another company that, hey, this is a st- you buy these stocks and you hold. When he said that at the end of the year, roughly again, because I do not remember the exact date, Microsoft topped out around $345 a share trading at 283 today. Uh, NVIDIA trading just over 325 back at the time has gone all the way down to 220 has has lost a hundred dollars a share. Well, the whole philosophy of that string was stocks for the long run. They're all tech, and they've all been up, you know, five hundred percent since. Yeah, they're brilliant all the time. This is what concerns me about the, you know, just straight up like just put all your money in the S and P or put all your money in Vanguard Total Market. It's that you've been so well rewarded by being under diversified and overexposed to those particular things, large U.S. growth companies over the last five to 10 years that we forget that there's other areas of the market that exist and other areas of the global economy that exist. And that 
the U.S. economy doesn't always do what it's done the last eight or 10 years. You know, I, I remember mentioning this conversation about the, the tech stock stuff, and it's like, oh, it's always going to be this way. And just for giggles, for those of you who haven't done any research on this, the NASDAQ crossed 5,000 in March of 2000. And so you say, I understand it went down, you know, Y2K, yada, 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 9-11, yada, yada, yada. How long did it take the NASDAQ, which is comprised a lot of tech companies, right? How long did it take the NASDAQ to get back to 5,000? Right, it crossed 5,000, then it went down. We all know that happened. And then, you know, it made its way back. If you don't know the answer to that, and you think that NASDAQ 15,000 is going to stay and, oh, by the way, if it doesn't. Yeah, and if it, so, so uh, it'll go down a little bit, but I'll stay the course. I want you to look up how long it took from NASDAQ to go from 5,000 down to the bottom, back to 5,000 again, and tell me that you're going to stay the course until 2037. You're going to keep your money in, in NASDAQ QQQ until 20 freaking 37 and go, I'm staying the course. Yeah, no way. There's not a soul on, in, a, in the entire universe that would do that. But still, it brings up my next question, which is at some point, is there a value play here for tech stocks? Like are we get, if, if, if Meta has lost 50% of its value, at some point, does this stuff get so beaten down that if I'm a value investor, I'm like, hey, forget railroads, man. Forget toilet well, paper. I don't I'm think that the- you can ever say that Meta is a value stock, but, I, but you're talking about the price relative to what it was. I saw this article from Josh Brown, who is the reform broker on Twitter. Everybody kind of knows who uh, downtown Josh Brown is. But, um, but I thought it was really good about uh, what to do when the market's down like this. Think of the stocks that you wished you owned and go put in a limit order for the amount of money you want to spend, right? I want to go, I want to buy Microsoft. I want to put 10,000 in Microsoft, but only if it's at this really stupid price. Like, boy, I wish I would have got it back in 2016 when it was at X dollars. Go put in your limit price for that right now and then just let it sit there. If you get assigned that, that price or if it gets purchased at that price, you've kind of uh, gone back in time and been able to buy it at that at that price, which I think is a really good like tactical thing that you can do. You know, when people are like, "What? Well, don't just hey, what's the phrase? Don't just do something. Sit there." <laughs> and it feels really, it just feels really like I should be doing something. Well, this is something yeah, that you can yeah. do if you think if you think Facebook's a bargain at this price, buy some. If you think, boy, it's not a bargain at this price, but I'll tell you, if it drops another ten percent, I would buy it. Go put a limit order for a hundred shares of Facebook at you know whatever price you think makes it super attractive to you. If you don't want to do individual stocks, buy the Nasdaq uh, index QQQ. Just find a price for that and say, you don't like it at three thirty, but I'll take it at two thirty, and go put a limit order in. Why not? Some of my favorite, some of my favorite uh, investing advice comes from a very dry book, and so uh, be warned if you buy this book. Uh, it is called Trading Rules uh, from the mid '90s, and uh, but this book says something that I'll warn people about this strategy. Though, OG, if you set that limit order and it doesn't execute, don't cry over it. Because what no. trading rules says is you don't know where the market's going, so don't don't start crying over. Well, I could have had it at this price had I bought on that. If you think it's a good deal, buy it today. 
If not, then don't buy it today. Right. Like, like realize you have zero power over where it goes. That said, I like that idea. I, I mean, hey, if I think the value starts at X number, well, then put in that limit order. That's pretty neat. Yeah, just I mean, just for these individual names, if you're doing your regular investment plan and you're putting money in your 401k every other Friday like like you should be and you're putting your money in your Roth IRA like you should be in your HSA like you should be, I wouldn't be monkeying with any sort of tactical trading time at all. That money needs to get invested on the same day at the same time that it always has been and move on with life. And if you happen to think hey, the market's down 40%, the market's down 30%, you know, what should I do? Yeah, yeah, go put some extra cash to work. But still, the vast majority of people will be well-suited by just doing nothing more than the same thing over and over again for the next 30 years. There's a second piece of this, OG, which is what you sent me, and it's kind of where we were headed anyway. This is another piece in the Wall Street Journal, but by Jason Zweig, and at some point, like in, in our list of people we want to get on the show that we haven't had on the show, Jason, you're right at the top. So I know Jason listens to us frequently and uh, I'm sure he's got nothing better to do than hang out with you and I, OG. But uh, Jason writes, the secret to braving a wild market. He says for most of the past decade, and I love this word, investing's required almost no courage at all that may well be changing. And I think that's exactly what you're alluding to is the fact that investing in a normal market, which is not what we've had, requires some courage. Yeah. In the last 10 years, really, you know, there's a whole generation of investors who have never, you know, really had an, an exceptional period of volatility or down markets. We've had, you know, 10% declines and 15% declines and even a really close to a 20% decline back in 2012. But other than the COVID time, which was so fast that people, again, weren't really thinking about it at the in the moment that we haven't had really to experience it. And it's been easy. It just dump money in the S&P 500. And since half the half of the S&P 500 is Amazon, Google, Facebook, Microsoft and Netflix, as long as those five stocks did well, then so did your portfolio. And now those five stocks are not doing well. There's other areas that are. And more importantly, other areas of the world that are. And I think people are finding that they're woefully underdiversified, you know, for a long time. Yeah. One of the best examples of courage is Sir John Templeton, uh, who classically said, when everybody looks right, that means I automatically look left which I think is a nice contrarian point of view. But uh, Jason begins his piece by talking about Sir John Templeton. He says in the fall of 1939, just after Adolf Hitler's forces blasted into Poland, plunged the world into war, a young man from a small town in Tennessee instructed his broker to buy $100 worth of every stock trading on a major U.S. exchange for less than a dollar a share. His broker reported back that he bought a sliver of every company trading under a dollar that wasn't bankrupt. No, 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 exclaimed the client. I want them all, every last one, bankrupt or not. He ended up with 104 companies, 34 of them in bankruptcy. The customer was John Templeton. And at 26, he'd had to borrow $10,000, which is more than $200,000 today, OG. Dude goes out and borrows $200,000 to finance his courage which, if you don't know where Sir John Templeton ended up, yeah, ended up uh, doing pretty well. Some pretty good convictions there. You know, could you imagine that, right? Could you imagine 
calling your buddy up or your parents up or whatever and being like, I have a great idea. I'm going to go buy a whole bunch of really crappy companies. Yeah, the world is in shambles. I'm going to go buy it. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the way that you have to do. And I think the power of dollar cost averaging and doing the stuff that you're supposed to repeatedly over and over and over again, making it automated so you don't have to think about it, you know, just takes the guesswork out of that. And if you feel like taking a flyer on something, like we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, put some limit prices in there. But if your time horizon is 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, you know, this is normal, by the way. And it's not even normal yet. (laughs) That's the other part that's funny. The normal decline in any year is 14%. That's normal. And we're, you know, S&P's at like, what, 10 or 11 or something. So we're not even to average in terms of variability or volatility yet. So keep on keeping on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the thing I do want to emphasize, though, where Templeton went and borrowed a bunch of money, do not, do not go borrow a bunch of money. On margin? Yeah, yeah. Don't go, don't have that much conviction because... uh that could end badly, but having the strength to continue your dollar cost averaging OG, I think uh, a great point to put on this coming up next. Amy Hart Klein has dedicated her career to helping families fulfill the promise and potential of their legacies and help them achieve wealth momentum. She is a chief knowledge and learning officer at Pitcairn and she works in their New York office today. She's talking to us about women in positions of leadership and uh, some fantastic stories. Uh, speaking of stories of courage, we're going to hear a few from Amy. But uh, Doug, I know you're uh, grabbing the microphone there from OG. What you got for us, my friend? Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I was just talking to Amy upstairs, and man, I love hearing about all these strong women running their family legacies. Reminds me of Joe's mom. I can't wait to build her memorial museum of leather chaps. The opportunities for women to run their own financial lives has changed dramatically over just her lifetime. Now, everyone as young as 21 can get a full credit card. But when I was born, even a woman who was 65 couldn't get her own without the approval of a man in her life. So my question is, what year did all that change? When could a woman get a credit card without a man's approval? I'll be back with your answer right after I go grab the paper so Joe's mom can do the crossword. Hey, Staggers, it's Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. 
Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open, maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things they offer 24 seven help for their us based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to navyfederal.org org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy and Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. Well, you made it halfway through your week, and you know what? While the downward slide toward Friday is always a lot more fun, the week doesn't get any easier, does it? You got all the projects that you thought you were going to get done Monday and Tuesday, and even today, and you still got Thursday and Friday, new stuff coming that you still got to do. How do you find time for all of it? Well, guess what? Navy Federal Credit Union can take the lead work out of saving and investing for you. They offer multiple savings products and investing options to help you get closer to your financial goals. And you can put your money to work by automating your savings and investments. Plus, they offer educational resources to help guide your decisions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash save and invest. It's NavyFederal.org slash save and invest. I say sash save and invest <laughs> slash save and invest. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment options are available through Navy Federal Investment Services and are not insured by NCUA. Hey there, stackers. I'm women's rights stacktivist and Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. The Equal Credit Opportunity Act finally gave women the right to get their own credit cards. Before it was passed, banks could refuse to issue a credit card to an unmarried woman or require a married woman to get her husband to co-sign. Many banks required single, divorced, or widowed women to bring a man with them to co-sign for a credit card, even someone much younger, like a nephew. So, what year was the Equal Credit Opportunity signed into place? While you and I probably agree it should have been that way a long time ago, it didn't actually occur until a century later in 1974. And now, here to tell us more about the powerful women rocking their rights, CFP Amy Hart Klein. And on my dad, Shortwave Radio, my new friend Amy Hart Klein is here. How are you? I'm great, Joe. How are you? Well, I'm great. Happy, now that happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for accepting our invitation. And I'm so happy to talk to you because I love this study that you did. You talked to uh, how many women and what were you really trying to accomplish with this study? Yeah. In my role here at Pitcairn, which is a, a multifamily office, an advisor to families of wealth, I've long been fascinated by the stories of the matriarchs and the families that we've served. I've often felt that they have a tremendous story to tell that is often not told because they are the spouse of the patriarch who has actually created the wealth. And it was my hypothesis that they are the secret sauce in a lot of these multi-generational families and supporting them and ensuring that the legacy and the wealth last for generations to come. So we spoke to 40 women of wealth and um, it resulted in a book. I never intended to write a book. Um, I was just curious about who they were, what they thought and really what was the human side. Boy, in the game, the game, by the way, Amy is changing very quickly. You write that in 2019, 
there were 11 self-made female billionaires and the very next year over over 100 is that right that's correct it's actually a staggering number it's it's actually timely to explore women of wealth given what sort of happened with what has been a long evolution slash revolution so telling these stories it's really that it's landed on on very eager ears to hear yeah. what it is that what they've done to contribute to families of wealth. Man, we certainly are among those eager ears. This landscape, based on those numbers, obviously women's roles are changing very quickly and it feels like the pace is accelerating. This is not an easy time for a lot of women navigating. It's an exciting time, Amy, but I think it's also, it's a difficult time to be in. Yeah, it's a really difficult time to be in because although there has been this exponential pace of change, Globally, what we've observed and what we learned in this study was that a lot of the state stereotypes still stand. And, and a lot of the traditional perspectives are really sort of holding women back, whether they were women who were part of wealth creation or women who were inheritors of the wealth. There's been some real stickiness that has caused challenges in helping them lead their families. Let's dive into those. You begin with first-generation wealthy families and women's roles. You talk to 15 women in this area, and, and you write this. These future matriarchs had two qualities in common. They all grew up with a fierce determination to work hard and take care of themselves. Those from poorer backgrounds, in particular, knew that they had to make it on their own. Rather than feeling resentful, or overwhelmed by their disadvantages, they reasoned that if they got a good education and worked hard, they could do better than their parents and achieve success. You really talk about these women are not waiting for men. They're, they're very interested, even if they're in a partnership with a man, they are very interested in forging a new path. Yeah, I think that's a, a key highlight, Joe, that you just shared. Uh, I'd love to give you an example. Yeah, of please. A woman who did just a beautiful job in, in demonstrating, you know, how she as a leader rewrote these rules and forged her own path. I'll tell you about Grace. Um, Grace is one of the 40 women in our study. She is a mother of five. Uh, she was a wife of a entrepreneur. Um, she was not part of the operating company. However, she was the sounding board to her husband. She was intimately involved in the creation of a business, a business that flourished over time and, and has expanded many times over. She was very thoughtful about including her children, her five children, and bringing them into the business and even doing menial tasks so as to stay connected. And she had the institutional knowledge in her head because she was her she was a business partner and she was the mom. And the spouse. When her husband passed away at a young age, here she is with this fabulous business with five children. And hers was an example of how she really stewarded the family in a time of crisis and how she ensured that there was a governance structure and support around the family. One of the sons emerged as a CEO. And Unfortunately, I was, I was actually wondering, not to cut you off, but when I was reading this story, Amy, why did she not become CEO? Well, so let me finish the story. Okay. She, <laughs> did, she did not choose that at first because she was so dedicated to seeing her children emerge, but he struggled. 
And he actually failed. So he stepped down and she stepped in. That was quite remarkable at the time. It was slightly outrageous. It was even insulting to the other siblings that she stepped in. There wasn't a board. She created a board. Her family didn't understand why they weren't the board. Um, But she really viewed that creating some governance structures in order to help them set up for the future was really her primary role. So she risked relationships. She broke eggs. A lot of women in the study broke eggs. Yeah, I feel like in a lot of the stories that you weave, that the women are really the glue holding it together. I know in your story of Alice and Ben, Alice is really really kind of the COO, right? Like in the case where where the man is the de facto CEO, the women really running it, even though in a lot of your stories, you say that, that women really weren't worried about having a traditional title, quote title, but it was much more of a shared vision. And often it wasn't about money. I know you talked about one family with a, um, with a winery where it really wasn't about money. It was about, we love this thing together and we're both kind of equal partners in it. Yeah, those are two great stories that you talked about. Alice was really neat. Alice and Ben was was very neat because she was one of the women who um, was quite crucial as a partner to Ben. However, she had she was not comfortable around leadership. She didn't have confidence in her leadership. She did not view herself as a leader when, in fact, she was was an extraordinary leader. The other story. And with Alice, she just felt it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do to step in there and lead my family. And that's that didn't have a title. She didn't need a title. The other story with the winery was actually quite interesting because her husband was very good at the technical side of a business, but he didn't know how to to make it into a business, how to market the business. She stepped in as a marketing director without having a marketing director role and then turned into the HR director and then turned into the operating officer. And if not for her, I would argue that as cool as the winery was, is, you know, producing wine, it was not going to turn into a source of great wealth for her family because her husband did not have those skills, but she did. She didn't care about the title. I've read a lot of studies and so have you, Amy, about women and money and confidence and a general lack of confidence. Did you find that a lot in this study? Yeah, I actually, that was an extraordinary theme that I think, you know, I've heard intellectually lots of stories about that. I've heard a lot of stories about the lack of confidence. Um, I even heard, I, I spoke to one of the women in the study just last week who said, you know, I had dinner with a retired Harvard Business School professor who shared that it, it still confounds him why the women in his classes at Harvard Business School don't have the level of confidence mm. in their leadership. And not that they did, they felt like they were leaders, but, but there was something that was uniquely different and he still scratches his head. So I think that that theme, unfortunately, still prevails. It's one of the reasons why I like to talk a lot about these stories and how people found their voice and created a legacy, which is the name of the book. Because I think that the more the stories are told, women leaders in particular will be able to own them themselves and gain confidence in hearing how others have done so. Yeah, it's interesting. I love the fact that in a lot of these marriages that you talk about, 
just when I was a financial planner, it's been a long time since then, but in many cases you would have the man who was the quote patriarch, right? Like in, and you talk a lot about this who quote handled things, but you would find out very soon that this was very much a partnership and that without having both individuals there and knowing what's going on with their financial plan, it was very difficult to get anything done. Even if the patriarch wanted to do things, he often lacked the know-how, the machinery to get it done. But what's sad is that I'm on my own book tour now, and I'm meeting with people around the country. And Amy, what has been very discouraging, as we record this, I'm only on stop 11 of 40 And I've already heard four gut-wrenching stories from women who either went through a divorce or their husband passed away and they're being preyed upon. All of a sudden, they have this, they didn't feel like they had enough financial knowledge because of the fact that they had a man taking care of part of it. Yeah. You know, you reminded me of a neat story. Winona is her name. Mm. She was married to a very wealthy man. She was one of the new, new to wealth women in the study who was very much engaged in terms of her partnership with her husband and how he set out to identify an advisor. So she was a party to it, but she was half listening. Mm. And um, he made a choice. She knew about the choice. She was confident with the voice. But when he passed, she was like, what was that again? Yeah. And she set out on a fascinating journey. I think it was a very painful journey, as you say, Joe, where she felt that she inherited this legacy mindset, which I talk, write about in the book. And it's sort of a, it's a red flag, I would call it for planners like you and like me and like many listening, where there was an assumption that because her husband found him to be a great choice after he passed and then she began to learn about her wealth, she found it to be highly problematical, pro- problematic. Yeah. And she ended up um, firing him. And it was interesting to talk about why she fired him, primarily due to the fact that it was, a, he had this, this gentleman had a legacy mindset. She wanted to do two things. She wanted an advisor who would do two things. She wanted an advisor who would help her really understand the language. She wanted to understand the language. She didn't need to get expert on the language, but she wanted to speak the language. And in that way, she wanted to become familiar with all of her wealth structures and what are the implications of one over the other, how it impacts the family and be quite thoughtful about that. And she was the second thing she was looking for was an advisor who would empower her to make decisions around her wealth. She wasn't looking for someone to make her decisions, but she wanted to, number one, have the language taught And number two, be empowered to make decisions for her family. And I think that story was a common story in terms of expectations, matriarchs to advisors. But And I also feel like there's some huge lessons for advisors there on how they run their business, how they structure their business and what their what their value is to these families. Yeah, I think there's a, a section in the book that was really important to me. In my role here as the chief knowledge and learning officer at at Pitcairn, and that is, you know, what's the big so what for firms like ours as we relate to to women of wealth? 
it was probably my favorite part to write because it was really reminding me of how I think that firms like mine and advisors like ours have to address women and wealth. And there are a few, a handful of key lessons. One is we just talked about it. Shed that legacy mindset. Get rid of it. It's not wanted. It's the assumption that what was good for him is now good for me. It just doesn't hold water. Um, I think women, number two, in terms of how they like to be engaged with an advisor, is to serve more as a coach. And women really, really embrace a model around um, having a coach, um, somebody to work in partnership versus somebody who is sort of teaching over them. And I think that's a really important lesson for advisors. Third lesson to advisors, and that is, well, often the patriarch would think about, about wealth as financial capital. Women say, yes, and. And the and includes, well, what about family capital? And what about our human capital? What about the intellectual capital? And not just about the financial capital. So in other words, be sure to honor the family dynamics and not just the financial dynamics. Yeah, it's not just about the money. It's about the values, I feel. Yeah. yeah. Those are lessons for advisors. Mm -hmm. What lessons are in the book for women? Yeah, sort of the flip side of that is to lean in. And even if you're not super interested in, in financial matters, lean in enough in order to and gain enough of language where you can have a conversation. And so that's certainly a lesson for the women that we studied. They really you know, have encouraged when they look at how they want to raise their kids, whether they're male or female, be sure to take some agency in what you're learning about in terms of financial matters. Another lesson, particularly geared towards women who are inheritors of wealth. We didn't talk too much about No, yeah. I was going to ask you that, that next. Um, Just touch on it briefly. Yeah. Yeah. They are in it, you know, when one thinks about in multi-generational wealth, inheritors of wealth, they have, in addition to inheriting financial assets, they, they inherit family culture. Mm -hmm. And while that's a wonderful thing to have a legacy, a family culture that is sort of stuck in the past is not going to create the kind of engagement and ensure future family success than those women who were inheritors who said, you know, I'm going to be a family culture innovator. I'm going to shake this up. I'm going to ensure that it's relevant to my own children. Yes, if we had a vision statement from my grandfather, that's great and to be respected. But how about reshaping that for my generation and my children's generation. And so the family culture innovators, a lot of the inheritors did a really, really beautiful job at that. I got to tell you, Amy, I got super excited reading that portion of the book because I think the idea of, you know, paying homage to your legacy and being comfortable with that, but also realizing that we're shaping it right now with this group of people and the women that you profile that really dive into that. I can feel the excitement. I mean, it just seems so important and worthwhile and also makes it less staid and dynamic. Like we can we can honor the past and still be something today. Yeah. When we thought about how to title this book, one of the things that it was just a great joy and privilege for me as one one of the women in the study said, Amy, we've we've entrusted you with our trove of treasures. I love that. I take that as a high privilege. I take it as a an obligation to really support that. 
And I think that with that comes quite a bit of learning to continue to share. And many of the women in the study have have said, you know, Amy, I want to get to know the other women that you study. And I found a great appetite for the building of a community of women around these issues related to wealth. It's not just about wealth does not equal money. Wealth equals equals family. And so how do we talk about that in a fresh way? And I think there's a lot of energy that has gone into um, that has come out of those conversations um, that's gone into how we want to look at this going forward. I have to tell you, you know, today you and I were speaking specifically to women, but I think all of those lessons, there's a bunch of men listening as well. They can learn a lot from that too. The book is Portraits of Pioneering Women Leading Wealthy Families and available everywhere, Amy. How do people get it? Head to Amazon, as we all too often probably do. Um, you can find it there. And I'm very appreciative of people listening to these stories. Being able to tell their stories is very inspiring to other women who are trying to sort out some of these issues around wealth and family. And if people just want to dive into Pitcairn and really feel like they, they want to know more, how do they do that? Yep. Pitcairn.com. You can head to our, our website. Um, you can always email me. In fact, I really would appreciate that. I love that. Every conversation leads to greater thought leadership. And that's something that we pride ourselves on. Pitcairn is a special place because it not only takes care of the finances of a family, but it takes care of the family too. And we provide services in support of that as well. Well, one thing's horrible. You seem not at all passionate about it. I feel bad for you that you don't get into this at all. And by the way, <laughs> people aren't in on this call. Luckily, my dad shortwave has video and Amy just has a slight amount of passion about this topic. Thanks for hanging out with us and talking about women and leadership and financial legacies. I really appreciate it. Great. Thanks very much, Joe. Hi, I'm Derek, and when I'm not working on the hook for Joe's mom's next greatest rap album, I'm stacking Benjamins, baby. Big thanks to Amy Harkline for joining us. You know, so many fantastic stories, OG, of people leading the charge and uh, building building dynasties. And today, man, all the stackers out there listening, whether you're men or women, time to take charge of your financial future, not just for you, but for generations behind you. We need like one of those... Uh... Yes, charge. Absolutely. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first. Uh, it's kind of sort of NCAA basketball going on right now. Like that's mm. kind of sort of my focus as of late. Tournament time is fantastic. So sad I'm on the road for most of it this year. Uh, but there's always next year. That's what that's what I'm I'm saying about my Spartans too. Don't get me wrong. As of the time that we're recording this, I'm hoping like hell that we're still alive, but who knows? But more time with NCAA basketball, friends and family, less time on your insurance. And that's why you go through Haven Life because their application is simple. It's online. You get an instant coverage decision, affordable prices. And of course, instead of going with the brand new peeps, their policies are issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual more than 160-year-old insurer. You know, today I want to point to our Twitter feeds because we have a lot of fun on Twitter. We use these uh, social media feeds as an extension of the stuff that we do here on the show. I'll often point to pieces that we don't have room for in the show. So follow me on Twitter, uh, Average Joe Money. Follow OG, not the fake OG. And also follow 
S. Benjamin's cast, uh, which is kind of our parent, our parent channel that Gertrude runs, where she really dives into uh, more about what's going in on the show. This tweet comes from my Twitter feed, Kyle Landis Marinello, who wrote a book called Personal Finance and Investing. Uh, had this tweet, OG. He said, broken wrist is mostly healed. It was a good reminder that we're all just one injury away from needing seven tries to eat a spoonful of soup, which for some people that struggle with soup, that may be every day. But I think there's a lot of people out there who don't think about a disability. And I think Kyle makes a great point, OG, that we don't want to think about disabilities in our life. But one quick thing, and the world can change. Any sort of illness or injury, we've seen lots of illnesses over the last uh, couple of years, you know, and and people who haven't been able to work for a period of time and something as innocuous as a fall on a ski hill or some crazy situation on the highway. I mean, there's all sorts of things that can go that can go wrong. People don't want to evaluate disability because disability insurances are expensive. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's always the first thing people say. Oh, I looked into that and I could, disability insurance super expensive. What do you say to that? Um, I mean, my <laughs> my real answer is when why do you think that is? You know, insurance companies their profit margins are somewhat regulated, right? They're the cost structure that they can that they can have is is regulated at the state level. So if something costs a lot of money in the insurance world, there's a reason why. It's because the likelihood of the outcome or the uh, amount of money that it costs to fix that outcome is high. So you have to look at that from that perspective as well. If the insurance company is charging me a whole bunch, they must think that there's a good chance I might use it. I mean, I, I think the real answer is, is can you afford not to have it? You know, like what would happen if you couldn't work for an extended period of time would you be able to continue your lifestyle? And I think a lot of people are blessed with the opportunity to have workplace coverage. You know, your 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 work covers some of your disability costs. You know, a little bit of of uh, salary replacement, and and that provides some comfort. Or we think, oh, well, my workplace has it, but a lot of times that's just kind of just your base needs. And if you look at disability from a cash flow standpoint, what you're really going to give up is your ability to continue to save. And so you've got this thing that's going to maybe keep a roof over your head or maybe put food on the table, but you're not going to be able to keep saving for the next 25 years while it pays out. And then that thing ends. And then what? Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking, don't think about the insurance, by the way, think about uh, your risk management strategy, which means, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've got an emergency fund, a six month emergency fund, you don't need the short-term disability coverage because you're self-covering it. And I realize that money all goes bye-bye if to Kyle's point, something bad happens, but that's what it's there for is so you're self-insuring, but the long-term disability coverage, yeah, the, I have it at work, know exactly what you have. Uh, Kyle, glad to see that you're on the men, my friend. Uh, Kyle, by the way, on Twitter is at uh, PF author and uh, follow him for uh, a lot of really good uh, tweets. He's on Twitter far more, far more than I am. All right. That's going to do it for today. Hey, uh, Today, as I mentioned, I am in Norfolk, so please uh, come join us at the Slover Branch downtown of the library where our friend, uh, fellow stacker Josette, is hosting a fantastic event for us, stackybenjamins.com slash stacked for that. I then head home for a nice rest for about a week and a half 
before Northeast, we're coming to you, Boston, New York City, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, before we hit the Midwest, stackingbenjamins.com slash stacked uh, to find out when we come to your area. But key to success isn't going and hanging out at financial events, even though surrounding yourself with the right people is good. You know what? Having the right team in place is even better. And for that reason, OG and his team are taking new clients. So if you want to dream bigger about your financial plan, head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG. That's the link to his team's calendar and the start on your road to thinking bigger about what you can do, what you can achieve. That's going to do it for today. Doug, man, great show, dude. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, I'll tell everybody what they should have learned today. First, women are estimated to be managing the majority of wealth by the year 2030. (laughs) It's been a long road to get there. Second, buy, sell, or hold. Start that conversation by reviewing your goals. If you're long-term, this might be a great time to have some courage. If your goals are more short-term, remember that investing isn't the same as going to a casino. Who cares if you've got pocket rockets if you need that money soon? But the big lesson? Joe's mom is free to buy as many leather chaps as she wants, and you know what? I think we're all better for it. Thanks to Amy Hart Klein for joining us. Her book, Finding Her Voice, is available anywhere you want to go out and buy it with your very own money. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch, with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives, written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all The Basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at The Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor.
Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. What happens in the after show stays in the after show. You guys been watching any good television? Uh, yeah, I have been. I'm excited about some of the stuff that either just came out or is about to come out. But I, so a couple of things I've really been liking. And of course, I'm forgetting the name of it right now. It's on HBO and it's the story of the LA Lakers. What's that called? Um, oh, I actually saw a preview of that. That looks super good. It is pretty good. Why can't I think of the name of it? LA Lakers story. Winning time. Yeah, winning time. So yeah, I've been watching Winning Time. It's only got two episodes. It's being released weekly. Like we're cavemen now and we have to wait for shows to get released. But uh, I've enjoyed it. it it's um, I actually kind of like that better though. I know, I mean, I know what you're saying that you want the ability to binge, but I did miss the days when, and I think it's, this might be a lot of us where I wait for, you know, Saturday or Thursday or whatever day for the next episode to come out. Like there's kind of that fun yeah. of, of man, Thursday night, I got this date with my TV because you like the anticipation bill. Yeah. Cause X shows yeah. coming out. Yeah. Those of us who are really lonely and have no place to go and need hours and hours <laughs> of time filled, we want the binging ability. But anyway, so yeah, winning time has been good. It's produced or directed by the same person who did the big short. So you see a lot of the same stylizations in there where there's they break the fourth wall quite a bit. There'll be little like funny subtitles that show up on the screen. And so it has some of those same mechanics, like I said, but I've enjoyed it. It's And there's a lot of stuff I didn't know about the NBA back then and how it all got changed by Jerry Buss. So pretty cool. And yeah, I'm looking forward to each week. I'm also going to start watching the the latest and possibly last season of The Last Kingdom which just got released, I think. Did it really? Couple, yeah. And it's, did it. Re- I didn't even see that. Yep. I love yep. that series for anybody I know that, it. that uh, had, did not see the last kingdom. Last kingdom is so good that when they were doing game of Thrones, the last season, which was horrible, the creator, George R. R. Martin tweeted that last kingdom also had a new series out the creator who they were no longer following his story anymore. They went off on their own and they went on this huge, weird, not very good thing. The creator of game of Thrones wrote about last. That's how good last kingdom is. So good. Right. And you know, it's funny. I didn't know that story, Joe, but I've actually described last kingdom to people as similar to game of Thrones, but without kind of the fantasy element to it. It's very loosely based in truth, right? I think they, they sort of compressed, history a little bit and taken real life people from one era and kind of put them in a different era. But nonetheless, there is, it's, it's loosely historical. What's and, the, uh, Oleg or, or what's his name? Um, uh, Uhtred. 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 It yeah, turns he out was that actually, Uhtred and Alfred were not al- even alive at the same time. Like I, not I, even close. Like I looked this up. Well, kind of close, yeah. like 150 years. So, okay. you know, maybe like <laughs> four true. generations apart. <laughs> And Uhtred's daughter right. was, a, no, not Uhtred's daughter. Alfred's daughter really was a leader as well. Yeah. But once again, they're, they're mixing all this history together, but still right. in the early seasons, I was fascinated by the amount of education they put in these shows, Doug. Like, I really yeah. like the fact that they would talk about not only defending the hill, but about how the, about how the Norsemen would attack, about how the, the Saxons would defend. Like I, I thought they really tried hard, not just to make it authentic, but to show you as the as the viewer like how they did it 
Right. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in there. And for those who aren't familiar, the title Last Kingdom is actually about the time when Alfred joined all of these independent kingdoms or fiefdoms around the island that is now Great Britain and and got everybody together to say, we need to be one Great Britain to defend ourselves against these Norsemen coming in. And so that's where the title Last Kingdom comes from. So yeah, you get some of that truth of, of history of how did it all happen. You get kind of that battle aspect of it. What's the real way they did it? And just some sweet action. It's not like this boring documentary. No. It's sweet action. And and uh, I know the main character spends a lot of time with his shirt off. So there's certain elements of the audience that might enjoy that because he's an attractive human. Handsome dude. It's, uh, it's got a little something for everybody. Yes. Uh, that's The Last Kingdom. I've been watching one on a plane. I don't have HBO Max, but this is a good enough series that I think I may get it. This uh, I've got a little clip here. This stars uh, Gene Smart and Hannah Einbinder as an unlikely duo in the HBO Max series, Hacks. Ladies and gentlemen, the queen of Sin City, Miss Deborah Vance Young. You guys are going to have a fabulous time. 2,500 shows. What do you have to say? Well, I'll tell you what I have to say. Eat your heart out, Celine. Touch is all it takes, baby, to start to find me. Pentatonics? Did you know about this? Marty wants to cut my dates. He said he needs to appeal to a younger crowd. You need to do something about this, Jimmy. Damien, need you to go to the computer store. When you talk that sweet talk. And she throws her uh, iPad in the pool there, but it doesn't matter because she's got boatloads of money. She's been a comedian forever. Gene Smart plays an aging comedian who, as you heard, is having her dates cut. Her career is kind of coming to a close, but she's not she's not ready for that. The show is called Hacks. Originally, when I heard this term hacks, I thought that they were talking about like hacking into computers. Not that at all. It's that a lot of people think that she's a hack comedian, like young people think that she's a hack, just an old hack comedian. And there's a young writer who also had a couple of uh, bad things that she wrote on social media. So she's been ostracized, uh, been ostracized for lots of reasons because she's kind of not a great person, but she does not want to work writing jokes for this aging comedian. The aging comedian doesn't want her and together they become this unlikely duo of uh, two people in a lot of ways messing up their life. I saw this first at the Emmys, but not having HBO Max, I, I didn't know anything about it. And I saw it was up for a bunch of Emmys. And I went and started down this thing because I'm on a crap load of airplanes. And on my way from Seattle to Florida, I binged five of the six episodes that, that they had on the plane. Now I can't wait to watch the rest of the series. So I know I said that I can't wait for Thursday, you know, that thing. The cool thing about this, they're all, it's only half an hour long. Every show is half an hour and the characters in it are are really good. I've, I've had a lot of fun with hacks. I don't know if either one of you guys have watched any of this. Why do I feel, you know, asked at the beginning of this after show, you asked me if I've been watching anything good and we, you know, have all this good conversation about Last Kingdom. You didn't really care about any of that at all. You just wanted to talk about hacks. Well, I had that tuned up for my, my part of the conversation. I didn't even know the Last Kingdom was coming out. So, yeah. Uh, uh, no, I haven't been, didn't even, I think I've seen the, you know, the thumbnail advertisement on the streaming service, but have not watched it. I'm excited about finishing Hacks, but I can't believe the Last Kingdom's out. Like, that's great. And I'm trying to finish yeah. Mrs. Maisel, the latest. Well, I'm trying to just catch up. I'm, I'm a couple episodes behind, but 
another series I really like. All right. We got lots of TV to watch, guys. See you. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.